G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Now, as you will know, if you're a long-time listener to 2020, we like to dedicate time to some more in-depth Christian commentary on the eve of important state elections, and today is no different. We're going to hear trustworthy Christian insights today from identities you'll be familiar with as a 2020 listener. We're on the eve of what is described as an historic election battle in the state of Queensland with two women leaders going head-to-head in Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk and opposition leader Deb Frecklington. The whole nation has been looking daggers at Queensland over its border closures, with Premier Palaszczuk accused of using border closures for political advantage leading up to the election. Even more significant is the historic contrast between Labor and the LNP around life issues. When I say life issues, abortion and euthanasia. For Christians, the pro-life issues are critically important. Since 2018, when abortion was allowed right up to birth, and now added to that is a central part of the Labor platform, euthanasia. That's become an election promise before March next year. So whichever party holds the power after this election, ultimately it's not going to be decided just on economic direction, but important matters of family, faith and freedom in the coming years. And what of the scenario of there being a hung parliament? What happens if extreme anti-Christian groups and let me just name the Greens as that particular threat, hold the balance of power. Well, an opportunity today to be informed about Christian positions on parties and policies. And joining us over these next two hours, Wendy Francis, the Queensland State Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, and also this hour, Christian cultural commentator Bill Muhlenberg, who usually joins us at this time, and we'll also hear very shortly from Greg Bondar, from Family Voice Australia. All of these political and uh, able to uh, speak into all sorts of circumstances that we're up against when it comes to elections. In the next hour, we'll welcome some more special guests. Dave Pello, the conservative writer and commentator, the editor of The Good Source and convener of the annual Church and State Summit, and also conservative defender of family and traditional values, Bernard Gaynor, a decorated Australian Army veteran and host of the online Bernie Gaynor Show. And uh, yes, you'll be able to call in through these next two hours. You might have questions, you might have a comment, you might have a critique, and our talkback line will be open early. So let's even open it uh, now on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Your say on the Queensland state election. Uh, those talkback lines open. We're also going to be able to have you respond on today's special twenty twenty pre election Facebook question, asking in the Queensland election which party do you think has policies most closely aligned to Christian values. 
uh, trusted Christian leaders and commentators in a robust, no-holds-barred assessment of the parties and policies that voters will decide on tomorrow for the state of Queensland. It is an important conversation ahead of us today on 2020. A special welcome back to 2020 to Bill. Welcome along. Great to be with you. Uh, Bill, um, we've got you on the line from Victoria, and uh, that's interesting because some people might say, why are we not talking to someone else from Queensland? This is our regular slot, and you have uh, tremendous insights, and particularly as we go a little deeper, theological aspects of what it is to be a Christian, what it is to be able to vote. Uh, let's uh, let's start off with that, and while we just try and get uh, Wendy's microphone sorted out, there's an issue always when it comes to elections where we wonder how much of an influence Christians ought to have with their own biblical worldview, their own biblical Christian perspectives, and how that relates to a election? Because sometimes people like to separate these things. What are your thoughts for that? Yes, important questions. We've certainly chatted about these topics over the years, haven't we? Uh, certainly, uh, we are called to be salt and light. We're called to be responsible citizens of two kingdoms, that is this one as well as the next. So, yeah, we do have an obligation and a duty to be uh, wise and careful and prayerful in what we do. In fact, I often say in this regard, we have to avoid the extremes. Uh, obviously, there's some countries where Christians cannot enter the political process, cannot vote, whether it's a North Korea or a Muslim-majority country. There, they have to do their best to be an influence in other ways. But here, and really as a result of the Judeo-Christian worldview, we do have the freedoms of uh, being able to determine who our elected officials are, who our government will be. So in that sense, we have to uh, take it very carefully and wisely. Uh, Politics is not everything. We don't put all of our eggs in that basket, but it is part of the world that God made, and he expects us to live wisely and Christ-likely in the political world as well. Wendy Francis, you will have come up against this because as the ACL has had pre-election forums, uh, the people you're talking to in your role with the Australian Christian Lobby, people will be saying, hey, you should be separating these things, keep the Christians out of the, the politics, and this comes down to all sides of every party where there are people who are non-Christian, they say they want to keep the Christian right out of the political process. What are your thoughts for people who think that? So everybody comes from a faith base. Everyone has a belief in something. So we're all coming with our own sense of uh, worldview and values. So that's the first thing I'd say. But the other thing I think that we fall into the trap of is, and this is why people all all of a sudden get upset about um, Christians being involved at, at elections, we, we all get really um, agitated and, and motivated around election time and then as soon as the election's over, we drop the bundle a little. But Christians should be involved in, in our political life as part of uh, the, the very decisions between good and evil are made in politics. So we should be part of that conversation all of the time, not just all of a sudden at election time. At election time, then you've got different Christians, you know, standing up for different parties, and then it can get a little bit, you know, it can get a little bit tense um, in churches if people are, you know, I'm going this way, I'm going that way. Uh, but if the whole time we were having this conversation, then I don't think we would come up against the same angst 
at election time because we'd already be having those conversations. Okay, some recent uh, things that came to light and uh, we'll know because uh, when I mentioned uh, back in 2018 the extreme abortion laws came before the Queensland Parliament. There were even people on the conservative side of politics. There were three MPs who in fact crossed the floor. Mm-hmm. And from what I can glean, neither of those three have much of a Christian alignment because one of them, um, who resigned earlier this year, Jan Stuckey, uh, who uh, who said, uh, you know, that's the one, uh, you know, saying that uh, that the Liberal Party, the Liberal National Party, steadily being taken over by the Christian right. Uh, another one, Steve Minikin, who crossed the floor, uh, he says uh, that the uh, the conservative side of politics branch stacking by Christian soldiers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so interesting comments there, perspectives. Bill Muhlenberg, uh, Christian soldiers, branch stacking on conservative side of politics. Any thoughts around uh, those sorts of things that you might have been hearing from all around Australia? Well, uh, surprise, uh, shock, horror that uh, any party wouldn't uh, go that route for good or ill. Uh here in Victoria, of course, we even had that big expose on uh, 60 Minutes about how the Labour Party was up to its ears in the hardcore branch stacking, and it resulted in a minister being given the flick. So, uh, with all due respect, all parties have that going on to some extent. And, of course, in the democratic process, you want to make sure there's no... Uh, unfair or unjust means by which people become members of parties and uh, uh, any kind of wrong influence they might have. But that's simply the risk of living in a democracy. So uh, if people complain about Christians on the right doing this, well, guess what? There's Christians on the left uh, doing it as well. I I like to say a a favorite story. I think he was actually a Queenslander many years ago, 20, 25 years ago. There was a senator with the then Australian Democrats. He was a hardcore lefty, you know, pro-homosexual, pro-abortion. I recall the ABC and all the other critics, they never said a word about, you know, oh, we've got Christians involved in politics. They loved it that he was there because he was one of their own. He was a far-left senator, and because he was pushing their agenda items, they were no problem. So it's not so much an issue of, uh, you know, mixing religion and politics. It's for many of the critics, it's whose politics is getting a run. Wendy Francis, it seems to me that there's a bit of an awakening that's been happening over recent years, and illustrative of that, and if we're talking about, you know, the the, the Christian right, as people call it, and I don't think we call uh, Christians Christian right. We tend to say uh, conservative Christians or classically conservative Christians. Uh, but this uh, idea of a dramatic change that's been happening, because it's not just been people who are the voters, ordinary mums and dads, individual citizens casting their vote, but this movement into the political parties. Now, part of that may be because of the demise of the Australian Conservatives. And uh, we'll remember that Cory Bernardi had everyone united, uh, those groups that were a part of uh, Family First and uh, other Christian groups that joined in under uh, Cory Bernardi. But when that disbanded, where do all of those political animals go? And it may be that they've gravitated towards the LNP and to other political parties too, but Christians are back in the mix of politics. 
Yes, and they should be because these are the decision-making places. You know, these are the places where, where we make incredible decisions. And so, of course, Christians should be joining political parties and I encourage people to join. I encourage people to join PNCs because that's the political process of their school and that's where decisions are made. In politics, when you join a, a political party, you are making a difference in the very, um, the very mechanics that actually make a decision for good or evil. So Christians definitely should be joining uh, political parties and political parties should be encouraging people from all walks of life uh, to join. From what I understand, none of the political parties have a big welcome sign on the door for Christians to come in because we're a little bit predictable on these social moral issues. And uh, the idea of, uh, of and as, as I understand it, even in the LNP, and hey, we're Christians and we can be critical of both sides in all of this. If anyone thinks that there's a specific partisan focus today, there's not necessarily, although I think that we're going to land on one side, not the other. But the LNP uh, reportedly now has some levels of extreme candidate vetting practices. In other words, Christians coming knocking on the door, and if we're to believe these other anecdotal evidences, in droves, Christians are moving into politics. We might get excited about that, but uh, there's not a welcome mat. There's actually extreme candidate vetting practices and disciplinary hearings where members are made to sign non-disclosure agreements. And so there's this idea of uh, keeping Christians at arm's length because of this idea that maybe church and state might mix here. Uh, thoughts here, Bill Muhlenberg. Uh, do you think they're out there from what you've been hearing, this idea of a welcome mat or not? Uh, there's no question that overall, and generally speaking, you know, one of the two main political parties has been a bit more of a home for biblical Christians. That should be clear, but yeah, you're quite right. You can often get as much of a, you know, a stiff arm uh, rejection by the LNP as you can from Labour or the Greens, uh, and vice versa. There may be some Christians who don't like the LNP as well. So it's... Uh, uh, the, this idea, again, pushed by the, the fairly left media that somehow Christians are taking over the libs and the gnats and, you know, we're going to turn this country into a theocracy or at least Queensland at the moment. Uh, you know, it's just not working that way. There is some suspicion, as you said, by many, even on the conservative side of politics for Christians. So um, it's not a done deal by any means. And Christians, uh, well, some Christians may be called to get into the parties of the left and have an influence. One can ask how far you go, and some of those details may come up uh, later this morning. Uh, you know, when you have an official party platform that is, say, pro-abortion, as with labor, well, uh, it's hard to kind of buck the system as a Christian pro-lifer, but, you know, if God calls you to do that, by all means, give it a shot. So it's, uh, you know, it's by no means what the uh, lamestream media often paints in terms of Christian influence in politics. Wendy Francis, earlier this week I spoke to a former Labour minister under the Beatty and Bly governments, uh, her name Margaret Keach, who's standing this time as an independent in the state seat of McAllister. And uh, Margaret, who was a Labour member, in fact came to Christ, made a commitment to him while she was in government. 
But she has found it so hard to agree with the way that the social direction of the Labor Party's gone. She, earlier this year, she put in her resignation and she's standing as a candidate, as an independent candidate in this coming election. I think you know, Margaret, uh, there is some indicator there that it's harder and harder for someone with Christian values to be aligned with the Labor Party. That's right. Margaret Keach is one of the bravest pit women I know and... When uh, you know she resigned from Emily's list, she crossed the floor on the abortion legislation, and now she she cannot not she cannot any longer feel like she's putting her hand in to support the Labor platform. Um, so I, Margaret's amazing. She's in McAllister. Um, if you're looking for people to vote for, you've got three good candidates there in McAllister. But the um, can I say about People, the branch stacking thing. Can I just make a comment sure. on that? Because I, I think uh, the the motivation for joining a Christian a party, a Christian joining a party, should always be our motivation should be to illuminate, not to dominate. And so that is where I think the LNP get all nervous because they think, oh, these these people are coming in, they want to dominate, and that is not what we should be doing. We want to be joining so that we can illuminate, we can be salt, we can be light. So um, if we are joining or if we are thinking we're going to get in there because we're going to dominate, I don't believe that's a Christ-like attitude and that's what they're afraid of. So we need to be showing by our example that, no, we, we want to be part of this conversation, but we definitely have a, an opinion about life. We have an opinion about education. We have an opinion about health and end of life. And we are going to do everything we can to illuminate the conversation. Wonderful to get into a conversation and we'll save it for another day to get deeper into it. The idea of non-domination and uh, that's not what, uh, you know, domination is not what dominion is about. But we might recognize as Christians that we come with a cultural mandate that God has given us a dominion. And I'll get your thoughts here, Bill Muhlenberg, but this idea of non-domination, the Christian does not have to take over a party to be the influence in it. What are your thoughts here? And perhaps even, you know, theologically speaking, where we are as Christians, uh, we've got an opportunity to speak into circumstances, as Wendy Francis says, salt and light that brings that influence. Any thoughts here, Bill? Yeah, well, quite right. As Wendy said earlier, everybody has a world view. Everybody has a set of beliefs that they bring to the public arena, to the public square, whether left or right. Uh, everybody has a set of values that they think are important, and they bring them to bear, whether in political parties or any number of areas. So this uh, commonly heard objection that Christians are imposing their values on others, trying to, you know, push their agenda. Well, in one sense, <clears throat> everybody does it all the time. Uh, secular leftists do it. You know, secular humanists do it. People on the left, they're always pushing. They may have pro-abortion values or whatever the case may be. So everybody has values, and everybody wants to see those values translated into public policy. So it's not an issue of us imposing our values. It's a question of us Christians, along with everybody else, being allowed the freedom in a democracy to share your beliefs, try to see those expressed in various ways, including political avenues, and, uh, you know, in an election, may the best man win. Uh, the, the majority, hopefully, will run with who they think should be leading a state or a nation, and uh, we simply 
have the responsibility to try to let our voices be heard and uh, let the electorate decide from there. Going to take a short break. Back in just a moment, it is a special program today, a focus on the Queensland state election. Our panel lineup talking through all of these different issues and we'll get into some of the nitty-gritty things uh, where the rubber hits the road in just a few moments. Going to take a short break. Our special guests, Wendy Francis and Bill Muhlenberg, back in just a moment. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Two special guests in the first hour of our special edition 2020 today, pre-election commentary on the eve of the Queensland state election. Two guests with me, Wendy Francis in the studio. She is the state director for the Australian Christian Lobby and Bill Muhlenberg on the line from Melbourne. And he's not a Queenslander, but we're relying on some deeper insights when it comes to perhaps some of these theological reflections and when we talk about politics all around the nation, Bill Muhlenberg across those details. I do want to ask our, our panel today about the leaders. You have the Premier of Queensland, Anastasia Palaszczuk, and you have the leader of the opposition, Deb Frecklington. Wendy Francis, you know these two. You have dealings with uh, the parties. Uh, give us your impressions of these two, perhaps as leaders. My impressions are probably the same as most Queenslanders, and that is neither of them are really strong leaders. They are women who are, um, I think, led in a, in a way by their party, so they, they are not people who are out the front saying, follow me. They are um, people who talk with their party and decide what the best way forward is. A lot of people are saying that Anastasia Palaszczuk has been very strong in keeping us safe. Um, I see that differently. I, I do see it as a, an election. The whole thing's been very election-driven. Election uh, but also, who is she keeping safe? We're not keeping children safe in the womb certainly not keeping vulnerable people at the end of their lives safe. We're not keeping children safe in schools when we're teaching them about gender-fluid ideology. So I, I guess I don't see that, that we're being kept safe. Um, and Deb Frecklington is not a strong leader, but uh, she certainly came across well in the debate. I think she came across as somebody with a positive outlook. The pressures on our Premier would be extreme. I have to say that I, I think any leader in this current COVID time is really going through a tough tough time trying to make decisions so you can understand her being a little bit um, more negative but she she definitely came across sort of more angry whereas Deb came across much more positive. Yes the debate on Wednesday night between the two leaders uh, quite telling if you were sitting through it was an hour-long debate and uh, the leaders up front taking questions from people who were nicely socially distanced in the room, uh, but they, they did uh, give uh, an impression of uh, the directions that both leaders wanted to go. I wanted to ask you, Bill Muhlenberg, there's the old expression that I'm sure you're familiar with, you've got to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. Uh, this idea of uh, keeping people safe, the COVID issue, and being able to keep an economy alive uh, it does appear that that, uh, that the Premier, Anastasia Palaszczuk, is relying on walking but not chewing gum. Any thoughts here? Well, we've had this chat quite often, haven't we? Uh, obviously, the need for public health and safety is one thing, but if it comes at the expense of destroying your economy, destroying your state or nation, well, then the cure becomes worse than the uh, problem. 
So we've talked about this often in Queensland, of course, her hard border decisions have meant a lot of horrible cases for ordinary Queenslanders. We've heard all the horror stories of, you know, people wanting to see a dying loved one or those who have just had an operation and simply can't even go home to recover. There's been so many of these sorts of stories. And then, of course, by closing the borders, your big industry, tourism, has been decimated. How many uh, jobs have been lost? How many people have taken their lives uh, by suicide because of that? So, uh, you know, it's all these uh, big-ticket items that we need to consider. It's one thing just to say, I've kept you safe from COVID, but if you destroyed Queensland in the process, that's not much to brag about. So that's all part of how voters will have to look uh, certainly on Saturday, as to what is the preferred uh, leader for the state of Queensland. Wendy Francis, you describe these two women, neither of them very strong leaders. And uh, this is an interesting aspect to bring out because sometimes we're used to a brash Uh, dominating leader and we say that is strong leadership now perhaps uh, this perhaps what I'm perceiving as a little more gentleness uh, even on both sides and I don't note uh, that there's been any and I do know that there's not been a uh, you know a lot of uh, personal slanging match attacks on one another uh, in this campaign is this in fact maybe something of a breath of fresh air that we might be seeing in political leaders and uh, women who are uh, vying for the top position Well, women who get angry um, never look as strong as men who get angry. It doesn't come across well. And if a woman is really angry with another woman, it doesn't come across well either. Um, Some of that is actually quite sexist, I think. But um, but, uh, but we all... We all don't like to see women, uh, you know, acting in in an undignified way. Men are, um, you know, I think a God-given role of a man is to have a sense of um, leadership. Uh, so that when when a man shows strong leadership, it somehow is more acceptable. Um, so I think there is a problem there with them both being women. But I still believe that you can be a strong woman leader. I really do, and. We we not we're not seeing that. Deb Frecklington doesn't come across well in the media. In person, she's a completely different person. She can actually be like she's the life of a party. If you're in a room with her, she's she's the one who's able to go around and make everybody feel really welcome. When she's on the TV, or and I think Anastasia is a bit the same. They come across very scripted and stilted, even. Uh, so it they're they're just not perceived as being strong leaders. You know, there's there's been leaders throughout through our history that we feel safe with. I don't think you necessarily would say that about either of these leaders. Let's just evolve our conversation to include perhaps some of the outerlying parties, outerlying leaders that are in this. And, uh, of course, you've got Clive Palmer, who's spending up big, as, as I understand it, spending as much as the major parties on advertising campaigns. Uh, he'd see himself as a little bit of a Trump-like type of a leader. Uh, then you've got the Catters Party. You've got them, uh, and there's uh, two or three members uh, in the Queensland Parliament. Um, other male leaders, they don't seem to have gotten much traction in the media that I can see in the lead up to this election. Uh, Wendy Francis, your perspectives on other leaders who are on the sidelines and potentially holding a balance of power somewhere along the line here after the election tomorrow? Yes, yeah, so media has changed so much from even from this election to the past election because 
uh, most young people don't watch the six o'clock news. So TV advertising is very different. You know, that's not necessarily uh, a, an avenue that they're actually flocking to. Facebook advertising has been huge spend. Clive Palmer has spent the most on advertising on Facebook and it's been well over 100,000 and LMP and ALP close behind. So, um, you know, I, yeah, I, it's a different election. Um, Neil, what was your actual question? Uh, it was regarding the other leaders. Yes, and, uh, okay, so that's we, good. So we were talking yeah, about women started, leaders, but there are uh, male leaders in these yes, other parties. I got distracted because of the that's Clive okay. Palmer thing. But, you know, the, I don't think Clive Palmer is seriously looking to be elected. He he just likes to get in the fray. Um, when we look at the Catter boys, they have been consistently pro-life. Um, they are more in the northern part of Queensland, so they want a separate state up there. Um I have to say the Cata guys are just just dependable, salt-of-the-earth sort of guys. Um, So they are showing leadership, but because they're a minor party and they don't even even contest every seat, uh, they're not looking for, you know, the main leadership of the the state, Um, but they can be depended on. There's three of them. Then you've got um, the One Nation. There's one One Nation, and they are... They are actually um, a party to watch because they can make a big difference as far as their preferences go. And One Nation is a mixed bag because we've got One Nation very um, strong pro-life platform in regards to abortion. But I don't, uh, as far as I know, Pauline Hanson herself is not necessarily pro-life and certainly they don't have a strong record on euthanasia legislation. So when anybody's looking at One Nation, my my really strong advice is to look at the individual candidate because there are some excellent One Nation candidates. Georgie Batty down at Burley, brilliant, brilliant girl and um, strongly pro-life. It's why she joined One Nation because of their abortion legislation. But you have to be careful because not everyone in One Nation is all in the same bucket. Going to take a quick break and we'll introduce Greg Bonda from Family Voice Australia into our conversation as well in just a few moments. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Good to have you with us. The Friday edition 2020, a special edition pre-election panel talking through issues around the Queensland state election. I want to welcome into our panel Greg Bondar, who is with Family Voice Australia. Greg, welcome along. Good morning, Neil. Uh, Greg, I'll get your thoughts in just a few moments because I want to get into the nitty-gritty of the issues at hand and knowing the dreadful abortion laws in Queensland and the euthanasia laws that have been introduced as a priority uh, into uh, the Labor platform. But Bill Muhlenberg, you have written books on these issues. Let me ask you and for listeners who are saying, why is abortion and euthanasia at the top of a Christian's priority when it comes to elections? And uh, for the first time ever, we've got a a clear distinction here as to two sides and their stance on these issues. Bill Muhlenberg, what are the most important things Christians should know about where these pro-life issues stand in priority? Well, Christians can and do differ on all range of issues. Uh, you know, might be refugee policy, even basic economic uh, policies and so on. And I think there is some room to move. Uh, mind you, all uh, parties and uh, leaders 
will be concerned about these things. They just might have different prescriptions as to best how to achieve, say, economic justice and the like. But it seems to me, certainly for the Christian, but, well, for anybody, really, the old saying, uh, social justice begins in the womb. If you're not even allowed to be born, you're not going to have any uh, say or sway in anything, whether it's economic policy or any kind of justice issues. So obviously for the Christian, the sanctity of human life has got to be a, a core, non-negotiable, basic, uh, you know, Genesis through Revelation stresses the importance of all of us being made in God's image, of the importance of not shedding innocent blood. So on and on it goes. We need to make this as one of the core values that we can compromise. Room to move on some of the other issues, but here I would think, uh, you know, where a party stands on the life issues has to be paramount. Greg Bondar, Family Voice Australia, has been surveying Australians when state elections and federal elections roll around for the last 40 years. And this year has been no different. You've been asking people in Queensland and around Australia to respond to your uh, surveys. Uh, when you've uh, ask, asked uh, parties where they stand on sanctity of life and, and uh, so abortion and euthanasia, what are the sorts of responses that you've received? Yeah, thank you, Neil, and uh, good to hear Bill um, confirm the Christian faith. Look, let me just say to you, uh, Neil, and to all your listeners, that uh, interestingly, last night we had the uh, Family Voice webinar, we had Robert Catter on, and we had Darren Griffith from uh, the One Nation, who's a self-confessed Christian, and he's up there in the uh, far north Queensland of Cairns. Now, interestingly, this has come out to be a pro-life election. In other words, we've got some really moral and ethical issues here that have arisen, and mums and dads, Christians all over New uh, Queensland need to take into account that our research indicates that there's a real um, um, stance being taken here by many in the electorate, uh, in particular some of the marginal electorates that you all imagine uh, in, in, um, in Queensland. And Robbie Catter said to me last night that he's got every chance of picking up an extra three seats. Uh, Deb Freckington needs to win an extra nine seats. So if, if some of the other minor parties get in there, there's a real chance to, to overturn the, uh, the, the, the government uh, because our, our survey also shows that uh, both the Liberal National Party, the KAP Party, One Nation and the DLP have undertaken categorically to not only review the current abortion legislation, but in fact probably overturn it. So, so research is proving to be a pro-life election. We'll talk about the possibility of a hung parliament and people who in parties might hold a balance of power. But Wendy Francis, let me ask you, because what we've got to work with is current law in Queensland and proposed law when it comes to the euthanasia issue. But in Queensland right now, and people get shocked when they hear that the Labor Party policy supports killing a baby right up to just prior to birth. And uh, then there's the whole other issue of babies that survive an abortion that are left to die. Uh, on the euthanasia issue, uh, this idea of, uh, you know, uh, the, the government uh, not waiting until a, a Queensland Law Reform Commission report on euthanasia before actually just politically minded going ahead with euthanasia legislation. Now, that is where the Labor Party 
policy stands. Uh, what about the LNP? Is there, we talk about this being a crucial election, what is the differentiation here from where LNP would go if they have the power after the election? Huge definition, um, huge uh, differentiation here and what the LNP is saying is that they will do a review. They've written that in writing on... Deb Frecklington has written that in writing on her letterhead. She will do a review about the lowering the gestational limits and introducing mandatory counselling. And the third thing is that they want to screen for coercion. Um, now, if we... Let's say we got a hung parliament. I know you're going to talk about that later. But if we got a hung parliament, it was the LNP in charge, but we were... The, the minor parties were the Carter Boys, for instance, or One Nation, or some of the amazing independents like Margaret Keach, then what we're going to see is those independents and minor parties pushing the LNP to go even further. If the ALP get elected, we've got absolutely no chance. And as you say, people get shocked. People, the, the, there are lies all the time about this from the Labor Party. And I just want to state it plainly. Abortion is legal in Queensland up to birth for any reason. And when I say that, I'm saying that because post-22 weeks, the reasons that a lady, a woman, a young girl can have an abortion are physical, psychological and social. So somebody tell me what other reason there is. So legally, abortion is available at any stage of pregnancy for physical, psychological or social reasons. If there is a change of government, then there will be a review of some of these very extreme abortion laws. And so far as the euthanasia issue goes, where do you think the LNP stands on this issue of euthanasia? I wish that they'd be more plain. I wish they'd be prepared to really stand on what they believe. But they've they've been a bit fudging around on it. But what they have written is that they want to make sure that every Queenslander has expert palliative care available to them where they live before they even consider euthanasia legislation. So that's a good that's a good commitment. They also their party platform is that we do not need to change the laws to allow voluntary assisted dying or assisted suicide in Queensland. So that's the party platform. As we know, um, when politicians get in, they don't always stick to what their party actually wants. But that is the party platform, as opposed to the ALP party platform saying that they will introduce euthanasia as soon as possible. And now, as you've already said, Anastasia Palaszczuk is going to rush it through without even following the proper processes. Okay, let's leave this issue for now. And no doubt we'll come back to it uh, in the coming time while we've got this particular special panel as a pre-election broadcast today. But let's move on to some other issues. And Greg Bondar, one of the issues, of course, uh, is Australia's Christian heritage, uh, the family values, and where all parties may well be falling short of recognising those foundations that have made us the nation that we are. I know you've been thinking through these sorts of issues. Uh, your perceptions around family values, Christian heritage. What are your thoughts, Greg Bondar? Oh, thank you, Neil. Look, family, as you know, look, doesn't matter who you are. Family is the foundational institution of society and it's ordained by God. Now, that is my belief. If you're a Christian, you'll believe it likewise. Now, the other thing I've got to make clear is and also that family, when we talk of family, you know, we talk about a nuclear family, a single-parent family, the extended family, the childless family, the step family, the grandparent family. 
So when we're talking about family, we are talking about a cohesive unit that is fundamental to the raising of children, not only in Australia, not only in Queensland, but worldwide. So one of the things that Family Voice stands for is, of course, family, faith and freedom. So in our, in, in, in our view, family is still the number one factor that will influence a child's thinking, uh, their, their moral, their social values. So in that regard, and you only have to go to Genesis, Exodus, Joshua, Kings, uh, to make sure that you understand that family is critical. Not only that, Neil, the, the Catholic doctrine of the faith clearly states that marriage is the basis of the family and the primary unit of society. So it's very critical. And in this election, I think mums and dads need to consider the impact that, are, that, that, that this current government is having on their, on their lifestyle, on their faith, and of course, in particular, on their uh, well-being. Bill Muhlenberg, the nuclear family undoubtedly is based on a Christian foundation for Australia and indeed for the Western world. So you have of recent times, whether federal or state issues that have begun to significantly dismantle our definition of what family is. What are your thoughts around where Christians need to be thinking about how they cast their vote and where parties might stand on issues that build the family? Yeah, well, there's no question that on so many fronts, uh, the family's under attack and so many policies, even seemingly disconnected from the family unit, can have good or bad impact. Uh, economic policies, uh, various types of welfareism, much of it needed, safety nets and so on, helping those who can't help themselves. Uh, we know both here and certainly in America that uh, too much of this kind of uh, thought that it's the state that will take care of you uh, does indeed lead directly to family breakdown. Uh, the individual children and others come dependent on the welfare state and the former means by which we looked after one another, uh, churches, other small groups, and so on, the family itself and the extended family, they get pushed aside. So that would just be one of so many. You think of the, you know, the various radical safe schools, so-called programs, the whole gender fluidity, homosexual trans agendas being constantly pushed on our children in our schools. That's another area. Uh, we could spend the rest of the day just on the various policies that do have a direct impact on the well-being of the family. And as we've already heard, we know the research is quite clear. Uh, social studies make it evident that children do best when raised with their own mother and father, preferably cemented by marriage. So policies that weaken that uh, are not good for families, and in the long run, they're not good for societies. Wendy Francis, you're on the cutting edge here, not only Queensland State Director for the Australian Christian Lobby, but you also lead the Centre for Human Dignity. You have a significant focus when it comes to protection for children, for the enhancement of families. Uh, some of these things that we've heard mentioned uh, from Greg Bondar and from Bill Muhlenberg, uh, gender ideology being taught in schools, this idea of the safe schools or uh, these sort of special relationships programs. Your thoughts for what 
what is happening in Queensland and where parties might sit on those. So in October last year, the ALP made, our Labor government made respectful relationships curriculum mandatory, compulsory in every state school across our state. Now, uh, much of that respectful relationships course is is just good anti-bullying stuff. Uh, But, you know, I would say about 10% of it is just this ridiculous notion that a child can choose whether they want to be a boy or a girl. And... Parents' rights are actually being eroded in this, and so this is this is what one of the big things that I have a, a huge issue with because parents are not even being told that their children are necessarily transitioning at school. Um, children can make this decision for themselves when the children can't even decide to get their ears pierced. Like you know, we we are allowing it. It's it goes far beyond even the gender fluid stuff. We are saying to our children. You can even have an abortion without your parents knowing. You can go to school in the morning. A young young teenage girl can go to school in the morning, have an abortion during the day, go home in the afternoon, her parents not know. Would they go to school, they learn this gender fluid stuff, they start getting confused, the parents don't need to know. Uh, the first thing the parent needs to know is that they're being called up to the school because the child's going to change their name and that they want the child, their parents to start organising a different uniform for them. Um, this is diabolical. Okay, so we would understand this is Labor Party policy to have safe schools and the respectful relationships programs. These are already functioning. Parents can't even get details as to whether their school is running these programs because the school is not allowed to tell the parents. Correct. Uh, All of these other issues. Is there a relevant alternative in the LNP or are they on the same program? No, they're very much on another um, program because that what they want to do is remove all gender fluid ideology. They're saying they want to declutter the, what is even taught at school. They don't see the need to be teaching uh, gender lessons at school. They So Jared Blay is the um, shadow education minister. Very stark difference when I drew attention to the education minister, Grace Grace, the gender-bred person um, lessons that were in my local uh, school. Uh, she was very supportive of them. These are ridiculous lessons. And when I approached the uh, Shadow Education Minister, Jared Blay, he said, if I get in as Education Minister, that'll be the first thing that's gone. So there is a very stark difference as far as this gender-fluid ideology is concerned. Bill Muhlenberg, come back with your perspectives on this gender-fluid ideology. And this is happening not just in the state of Queensland. It's, in fact, taken hold in other states ahead of where it has in Queensland. Your thoughts on how that sort of thing might affect a state, affect a nation. Any thoughts here? Well, yeah, sadly, uh, as in so many areas, Victoria has led the way here in this whole issue of so-called safe schools, gender uh, fluidity, and so on. Uh, We need to be aware it's not just bad news for children, but it's bad news on so many fronts, including some of the basics like uh, religious freedom. Increasingly, those who, well, say even a pastor or a church group offering counsel to those who might be confused about their gender or have questions or maybe want out of a particular uh, sexual attraction or orientation increasingly, well, Victoria's gone down this path, you can be guaranteed that Queensland will uh, as well, if they haven't already, uh, making it illegal for those who simply are offering counsel uh, requested counsel, you know, somebody's concerned, confused, wants to get help, 
uh, more and more, he can't even go to those places because it's becoming illegal to offer any kind of help along those lines because somehow that's hate speech and the whole bit, and it's uh, contrary to the trans dogma, which is so much the rage today. So we have to be aware it's not just harming children big time, but it has impacts on all of us, including some of our basic freedoms. So significant things that I think we can say are black and white when it comes to casting a vote in this coming election because, and some say might, well, maybe we're being too critical of the Labor Party. We're just stating where the Labor Party policy sits and how that might fit with Christian values. So when it comes to these life issues, abortion and euthanasia, when it comes to these issues of family and heritage, of gender ideology, of uh, these issues that are coming to light, that are changing the very fabric of society, is there, and I'll come to you here uh, for a quick response, Wendy Francis, uh, is there some level of optimism that the LNP will do things differently and that Queensland could be uh, running away from the uh, from the rest of the, the, the nation going on a different trajectory in the way that it might grow if it wins the election tomorrow? We all know that politicians make promises before an election and they don't necessarily keep them after. But we have it in writing, all of those things that you just mentioned, we have it in writing from Deb Frecklington that she will change the current status quo on all of those issues. And so I think uh, if there was any backtracking, there would be room for a very strong campaign of keep your promises. We do have it in writing. So I think there is optimism that there would be changes following an election if we have a change of government. Always best to be in touch with your candidates and local members to ask them directly about the sorts of things we're talking about today. But if you're looking for a quick how do I see a Christian position on all of these issues and many, many more, there are some wonderful opportunities to check on some checklists and you can easily download them wherever you are, whether it's on your computer or your mobile device. Let me just mention that there is a website that you can go to which gives you an understanding of what's happening so qldvotes.org.au qldvotes.org.au that's a website set up by the Australian Christian Lobby the Christian Values Checklist is found at christianvalues.org.au and Family Voice Australia as familyvoice.org.au there's a Vote Wisely Guide and as I've mentioned at different times there are some minor differences in these Christian Values Checklists and I encourage listeners to download all of them see where the differences are and uh, even it's not too late now to ring your candidates ring your MPs and ask them where they stand. We are running out of time and so I do have to wrap up this part of our hour because we've got a changing of the guard, continuing our commentary after Vision National News. But to you, Wendy Francis, I want to say thank you so much for your insights today uh, through this hour. And I know you've got a busy day ahead. Uh, you'll be out and about and you'll be talking about the things you love to talk about through the through the election day tomorrow. Thank you for being with us. Thanks very much, Neil. And tonight I'll be at the up at Noosa for the prayer meeting, which is organised against the Black Mass. So that'll oh, well, be amazing. We'll yeah. try and get into that Black Mass issue uh, after yep. the news too. Uh, Greg Bondar, thank you so much for taking some time to have your input today. Thank you, Neil. And uh, I'm praying for godly government uh, after Saturday. And Bill Muhlenberg, thank you so much for your input on 2020. Always a pleasure, Neil. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.